0: Welcome to The Road to Rural Prosperity, featuring stories about rural Oklahoma and rural America. Guiding us on the journey today is our host, Ron Hayes.
1: Thanks, Billy. Ron Hayes with you today as we travel the road to rural prosperity. One of the key elements to prosperity across all of rural America, and that includes right here in Oklahoma, is adequate health care for folks that live in rural areas of our state. That's what we're talking about today. Very happy to have along with us today special guest host, former Oklahoma State Senator A.J. Griffin. A.J.'s talking today with Dr. Ari Lufkin of the Mercy Health Network, our journey down the road to rural prosperity being powered by the Oklahoma Public School Resource Center, their mission to drive transformation and increase academic achievement within Oklahoma's public education system. We're
0: back with A.J. and her guest, here in just a few moments.
1: Headquartered in Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma Public School Resource Center envisions a quality public education for every child in Oklahoma, and their mission is to drive transformation and increased academic achievement within Oklahoma's public education system. The Resource Center is a nonprofit organization that provides essential resources, professional development, and technical assistance to the state's public schools. They advocate for high-quality instruction for all Oklahoma students and support increasing classroom innovation to provide them a challenging, globally competitive education. With communities from border to border, Bank First lenders understand the needs of today's agricultural market. Whether you need to purchase land, equipment, or livestock, or maybe need an operating line of credit, call on Bank First. They are a certified lender with the Farm Service Agency and can help with specialized financing when other banks can't. Bank First is proud to serve the needs of the Sooner State's agricultural market. Bank First is loyal to Oklahoma and you. Member FDIC, loan subject to approved credit.
0: Welcome to another edition of The Road to Rural Prosperity. I'm your host today, A.J. Griffin, and today we're going to dive into the subject of health care as it intersects rural Oklahoma, and I'm excited to have our guest. Today we are joined by Dr. Ari Lufkin with Mercy Health Network, and we're excited to have you here, Doctor.
2: Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here um, and uh, looking forward to sharing.
0: We you and I met several years ago with a conversation that was facilitated around some work that I'd done um while during my time in the legislature around rural health care. At the time I was the chair of the rural caucus and we all know that the challenges we face in Oklahoma um we're not unique as a state. All of rural care healthcare across the country are are addressing some of those same same issues and that's particularly interesting since we want to know a little bit about your story, Doctor. Uh, You come from, uh, you're not from rural Oklahoma, but (laughs) you're actually from South Florida.
2: Yes, that's right. So, um, uh, born and raised in St. Petersburg, Florida, and uh, did my undergraduate and medical school training at the University of South Florida, which is in Tampa. And um, at the time, I, you know, when I finished residency, I I felt like I wanted to get out of Florida to practice. Um, My uh, future wife was uh, finishing her residency in New York City and didn't want to work there. So um, started looking around and, um, you know, there's a job opportunity in Oklahoma. And I, um, I, I don't know how, um, how initially um, I decided to take that flight to, to take that interview. But, um, you know, when I got here, I think the, the city itself, um, the people especially, it was a, easy decision for me to, to move out here back in 2013, and um, here I am almost six years later, um, and uh, we've uh, got my wife to move out here and really loves being out here.
0: Well, I know that Florida's loss is Oklahoma's gain because you've been extremely instrumental in the some of the improvements and just the changes we're seeing in addressing rural health care in our state, and if we just look at statistics, there's a there's a challenge in rural Oklahoma.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I think just nationwide, um, the uh, American Association of Medical Colleges they often do a report that just kind of looks at um, you know physician trends and where they think shortages might be. And uh, unfortunately, in 2032, they'll think they think there'll be somewhere between 46 and 121,000 physicians in terms of a shortage. Um, so one of the things that um, we're experiencing here in Oklahoma is that um, the, the, the number of graduating residents um, going into primary care is already at an all-time low, and the number of those choosing to practice in rural Oklahoma, unfortunately, is on the decline as well. So um, those are probably the two biggest challenges we face in terms of getting physicians and providers in general out to to rural Oklahoma. Um, the other aspect to that is the critical access hospital. Um, that's a um, a unique delegation that's typically used to classify these facilities that are at least 35 miles away from the closest facility, the closest larger facility. Um, typically have 25 beds and a 24 seven uh, ER facility, but um, those those two things I think are um, are important in uh, the rural healthcare.
0: Let's go over that again. A critical access hospital. So sure. tell us where we would find a hospital that would be designated a critical access hospital.
2: So yeah, th- those are again always rural, at least 35 miles from the closest larger hospital. Um, in Oklahoma, I you know we we have an active presence in Logan County, which is in Guthrie uh Watonga, Tishamingo, and Kingfisher. Um so those are those are some of the the facilities that we have experienced. and the,
0: and the, the Mercy health system has kind of taken that on over the last several years and acquired some of those hospitals that were previously maybe they were county owned and operated or they were independent. Mm-hmm. Um, do, is that part of Mercy's strategy to address the 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 need in that part of the state?
2: Yeah, so the, they've we've always wanted to have um, a footprint throughout the state, and um, not just serving urban communities, but I think Mercy's realized the importance of having a, a, a hand in rural care. And, um, you know, we've we've certainly, um, through our presence in these rural communities, come to realize some of the unique needs of these hospitals, and um, it's something we've enjoyed taking on and uh, really feel like we can make a larger impact in these smaller communities.
0: People living in rural Oklahoma tend to be less healthy, mm. and... Uh, does it tend to be a little bit about, you know, we couple the, the poverty rates higher in that part of the state, the unemployment rates a little higher in that part of the state, and then we couple that with the access. Mm-hmm. It's just harder to find a doctor. Mm-hmm. We're going to have worse outcomes in that part of the state.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think in my experience, um, a lot of these, um, these communities typically are served by one or two physicians. And, um, you know, especially those that live in, in communities that have a critical access hospital, a lot of times what they're they are left to manage is, is not only their clinic, but also patients that get hospitalized and require a higher level of care in their local community. So um, the providers as is are stretched pretty thin. Um, you know, a physician that works in a rural community compared to an urban physician typically works six hours more, um, sees about 20% more patients just because of them being um, where they are with with less colleagues to to assist them. Um, so that those are I think that's that's kind of at part of at the root of the the problem um, well, with the And then
0: we're care. seeing hospitals close and mm-hmm. that that's a financial decision. Um, they just are having a difficult time paying the bills and and staying open. Mm-hmm. I mean, why do you think that the why do you think that that is such an issue?
2: Yeah, so again, with with this, you know, if I'm a physician in uh, rural Oklahoma, um, you know, my morning might include 15 different patients I need to see in my clinic. Now, if the first patient I see that morning looks sick enough to where they need to be in the hospital, I, I have to make a decision. Do I um, go to the hospital with that that patient and um, you know, cancel perhaps the next four to six patients I was going to see to take care of that one patient in the hospital? Um, or do I, do I make the decision to send that patient on to a larger facility in the city and then continue to take care of my patients in um, clinic? So that decision there can have an impact um, either on that patient that needs to go into the city and take on some of the um, economic and emotional hardships of being away from home and sick away from home, um, versus, you know, um, leaving leaving those patients um, that were going to be seen in the clinic to, to reschedule because I have to go take care of this patient in the hospital. So um, you it I think, again, it kind of boils down to not having enough providers and that that provider or two in these communities having to make a decision on, um, you know who who gets who gets care that day
0: so one of the things I've seen just working on rural health care issues over the years is that there are really there are two issues and those two issues feed on each other it's the, the shortage of physicians and advanced practice uh, practitioners so advanced nurse practitioners and mm-hmm. um, the shortage in the rural area coupled with the fact that the hospital in order to stay open has to try to make their ends meet you put those two together and you result the result is the issue that you just described there where Mm -hmm. you've got maybe one or two doctors trying to care for the entire community and keep the doors to the hospital open by by being able to treat folks in the hospital. I know in Watonga you and I've visited about some of just the creative ways that Mercy has decided to address that issue and it involves the use of technology. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell us about technology and the role that you think it's going to play in maintaining critical access hospitals in rural Oklahoma.
2: Sure. So, um, my primary role is um, the medical director of telehealth at Mercy. And in 2013, we started a telehospitalist program. We, we actually began it in Mercy Hospital in Logan County, but eventually expanded to Watonga.
0: Okay, so use the word hospitalist. Explain what yeah, a hospitalist sure. so, is. Um, Not everybody knows what a hospitalist thank you. is.
2: Yeah, so um, a hospitalist is a physician. Generally, they're internal medicine trained, um, essentially a generalist. And typically, if you were to go to an emergency department and the ER physician felt like you were too sick to go home, you would get admitted to the hospital and usually it's a hospitalist that would take care of you while you're in the hospital and they would order the tests that you need, start the treatments that you need, um, perhaps consult specialists if that's required. And then once you're doing well enough, they would then uh, discharge you back home to continue care with your primary care physician. So hospitalist is really hospital-based internal medicine. So it's so a doctor
0: that practices in the hospital. Exactly. Okay. So um, Makes sense. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and, um, you know, it's um, it, there's, there's a lot of overlap between what we do and an outpatient clinic-based internal medicine physician. Um, but Again, um, with with incorporating technology, um, and um, you know, bringing the expertise and the and the the, the capital of um, the human capital we have in the urban facilities, um, and then linking that linking that with technology to these rural facilities, um, we really feel like we've been able to uh, eliminate geographic barriers of care through using technology, so again, um, I, I sit and practice in Oklahoma City, and um, I'm connected with telecommunications technology with four different hospitals, and um, when that physician in that rural community who's got you know a, a, a day full of clinic patients has one that's too sick to um, take care of in their clinic, they can contact me and I can take care of them in the hospital virtually, with the assistance of an advanced practice provider who's in the hospital working together with me.
0: That's Dr. Ari Lufkin with Mercy Health Network. We're going to continue our conversation with him about rural care, health care and access in rural Oklahoma. I'm A.J. Griffin and you're listening to The Road to Rural Prosperity. We'll continue in just a few moments.
1: Headquartered in Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma Public School Resource Center envisions a quality public education for every child in Oklahoma, and their mission is to drive transformation and increased academic achievement within Oklahoma's public education system. The Resource Center is a nonprofit organization that provides essential resources, professional development, and technical assistance to the state's public schools. They advocate for high-quality instruction for all Oklahoma students and support increasing classroom innovation to provide them a challenging, globally competitive education the Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They've been representing water and wastewater systems across Oklahoma since 1970. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association was formed to enhance the quality of life in rural Oklahoma through the development and delivery of services and programs for the benefit of ORWA members and the rural people they serve.
0: Welcome back as we travel the road to rural prosperity. I'm A.J. Griffin and joining me today as our guest is Dr. Ari Lufkin with Mercy Health Network. We were discussing before the break the use of technology in meeting the rural healthcare needs of Oklahomans and I know Watonga Hospital in particular has established a very interesting way to keep that hospital viable financially, um, improve the quality of life of the physicians that practice in that area so that they're not overworked and they don't quit and move away. And I, th- I think that's part of the, the reason to use technology. But I know many people are still hesitant and they don't necessarily trust telemedicine and they don't even really understand it or how it works. So walk us through that a, a little bit again. How would a hospitalist or a doctor practicing in the hospital use technology to help him or her treat their patient?
2: Sure. So, you know, just a, a typical patient that I'll take care of. Um, generally, my, my nurse practitioner or PA will meet them in the emergency department if um, they've been determined too sick to go home from the ER. And at that point, we'll admit them to a room and um, that nurse practitioner, PA, will gather some basic history on them. And then I will come in on a computer screen where they'll see my face. Um, They could hear me through a speaker and microphone and I could see them through a camera that's in the room. And um, we just kind of talk through their history and, and try and determine what's wrong, what tests they might need and treatment they might need. Um but in 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 regards to the differences between what I do virtually with telehealth and what I would do in person, um, it's nearly identical. the It's it, a lot of the the tests and medications and treatments I could administer in these rural facilities are the same that they would get in the city. Um, it's just you know uh, bringing a physician in to help identify what needs to be done next. so, that's that's essentially how it works when we get the patient in and, and in regards to you know technology and this being a, a relatively new way of practicing medicine, um that was probably my, my biggest hesitation and concern going into telehealth. Um again, I moved out here in two thousand thirteen and we started this program in January of fourteen. So, you know, that you know, my me um deciding to to um to approach this, uh, this new program, I, I thought to myself, what is, what is a rural um, elderly person gonna think about communicating with their doctor on a computer screen? And um, I, I was really concerned that they, they would reject it and I, I couldn't have been more wrong. Um, and I, I think that, that to me gave me um, insight into just how important it is for these patients to stay in their rural communities. Um, I I mentioned earlier the the emotional and financial hardships of going into the city. But, you know, occasionally we'd get a patient that um, we'd begin treatment on in this rural community, and I felt like perhaps there was a treatment or a specialist that they needed to see that um, we didn't have in that rural community. And then I would transfer them to myself in Mercy, Oklahoma City, and um, we'd we'd get them well and get them back to their communities. But you saw the drop-off in the frequency of family and friend visits. You could see the toll it took on those that, um, those, those are their family members that came in that perhaps had to shut down a local business or take up a, you know, stay in a hotel room for a prolonged period of time while their family members hospitalized. So, you know, those sorts of things you don't really realize going into it but um, is, is part of the, is an aspect of the program that I, I enjoy the most is, is keeping these patients in their communities so that, um, you know, they get everything they need, but also have that same um, degree of support that they, they may not get in the the city.
0: Well, we, you know, we, before the break, we were talking a little bit about critical access hospitals. And Mm -hmm. so those 20, those are 25 bed hospitals. So small Mm -hmm. and, but certainly adequate to meet most of the needs of of a small community Mm -hmm. and of course if you know kiddo breaks their arm and falls off their bike there needs to be somebody there that can set that bone sure but really being able to use technology to transport the information and the knowledge to the community instead of the patient to the physician makes a lot of sense yeah do you see that this is the way we save healthcare in rural Oklahoma and access
2: um, 100%. Yeah, I, I think that this is going to be, um, you, you made a good point. It's the exchange of information and data. And that's really what a physician or provider needs to take care of a patient is how do I get the information and the history um, and the tests that I need to make a good decision to begin treatment on that patient. And, you know, historically, a lot of those resources are in urban centers, but you know there's there's a lot of great infrastructure in these critical access hospitals and clinics that surround them. To where, if if you could just bring um, a provider um, a provider's expertise out to these rural communities through technology, you can really eliminate a lot of the costs and, and burden. Um, from travel to get some basic care.
0: Well and it elevates the importance of physicians assistants and nurse practitioners Yeah. and we have a shortage of those in Oklahoma as well so let's talk a little bit about you know, how do we as a state do a better job of recruiting, retaining, mm-hmm. and, and, and getting more more medical professionals of all types yeah. um, to practice in Oklahoma.
2: Sure so um, the uh, the paper I referenced, the, the the American Association of Medical Colleges puts out that looks at physician shortages, they offer two potential solutions at the end of their paper, and, and one of those is in increased utilizations of, of advanced practice providers, so um, pairing physicians up with APPs to, um, to to tackle some of these shortage problems, and then the second thing they mentioned is the increased use of technology, including telehealth. So Um, we think by combining those two things, um, what we can do, what we, what we do is we allow our providers to what we call practice at the top of their license. So... You know, an, an APP, knowing that they have a physician overseeing them every day. Yeah, APP. I'm sorry, ad, advanced <laughs> practice <laughs> provider, a- advanced um, practice. nurse practitioner. Nurse PA. practitioner. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. So.
0: So these are nurses that have gone through, and they they've been RNs, registered nurses, mm. which is what most of us are familiar with. But they've gone and done study f- beyond that, and even a little bit of a residency. Correct.
2: Um, yeah. So they they everybody's each each program's a little bit different, but in general, yes, they're they're typically RNs beforehand. They get training in um, you know diagnostic and treatment, and then they they do um, not quite a residency, but they they do a preceptorship where they're following different specialties and and learning about different fields. So um, you know, huge asset to our program. Um, really allows me to um, focus on the sickest patients. So all of my nurse practitioners and PAs, they're comfortable. With um, uh, the bread and butter of medicine, they, they're, they're extremely competent at um, managing, um, you know some of our most common illnesses. Um, but when that patient perhaps doesn't fall within a typical uh, pneumonia or UTI, or maybe they have a medicine that, that they're not as familiar with, or um, you know, they get sicker after we've begun treatment uh, for 24 hours that's when you can have the physician come in and help co-manage that patient and really get them back on track and um, ideally keep them in the rural facility, but occasionally transfer in to, to continue care in the urban facility. But again, that, that allows um, me to take care of four different hospitals a day, um, where I'm focusing on the sickest patients in four different facilities. Um, four facilities that if I were to start my day in Oklahoma City and drive to it would take me seven hours uh, round trip just to stop at each facility. So um, again, allows me to take care of more patients and patients that are, are difficult to get to.
0: That's Dr. Ari Levkin you're listening to. Um, so you are responsible for four hospitals and mm-hmm. you work with that network of advanced nurse practitioners and physician's assistants that are actually in the hospital Mm -hmm. so how about if someone um just gets they're ill just during the course of the day they don't Mm -hmm. need to go to the hospital but how does incorporating telemedicine allow just our clinics to um, maintain a clientele within their their local community and um meet just the routine healthcare needs um, let like even maybe even well children um mm-hmm. in a, in rural Oklahoma in the rural setting.
2: Yeah, so um telehealth again can bring expertise anywhere there's internet connection. So um you know not every community has the same amount of resources from a provider standpoint. Some have family medicine trained physician who might be more comfortable with pediatrics and OBGYN and other communities may have an internist that's really good with internal medicine and adult care but may lack some of that experience with um, pediatrics. Um, One one pilot that we're starting by the end of this year is bringing telepulmonology out to one of our communities and the goal is to really set the foundation on how how do we bring um more than just myself a generalist how do we bring specialty care out to these rural communities um and pulmonology to my knowledge has been especially never available in that community um whenever a patient needs a cardiologist or pulmonologist or neurologist, typically they're having to go into the city because, again, it's it's hard enough to recruit a, a family medicine or internal medicine physician to these communities, let alone a specialist. So um, what we're hoping is that through this telepulmonology um, clinic, we're, we're able to, um, again, lay out the blueprints for what bringing a specialist into these rural communities will look like and then um, the the goal is to bring the full spectrum of of resources that we have available in our urban center to any community that we we serve through technology.
0: So let's say you're living in, you know in a small rural town in western Oklahoma and you're treating you, you're you have COPD mm-hmm. and just making the car trip from from you know three hours away from the city into Oklahoma City is going to be taxing. Mm-hmm. So so this using telemedicine you'd go to your local physician's office and you'd be able to see your pulmonologist
2: exactly so uh, that that's um, we, we have a clinic in this community there's a few rooms that are empty we've equipped them with the technology we have a provider there that's going to facilitate the visit with the patient'll be in the patient while the while the doctor is meeting virtually with them and um, again not only saving that trip but also able to get some of the tests that you would normally do in the city in this rural community so, um, you know these these services that the hospital can provide are not only great for the patient but also are important financially for keeping these hospitals viable. Um, I think it's important to point out that these critical access hospitals are often the second largest employers for these towns, usually second to the school system. So, an important part of the, the economy in these communities as well, not only to the health but uh, the the economy and of these people.
0: That's an ac- That's a another just part of the health care in rural Oklahoma that we don't discuss, is mm-hmm. that whenever a hospital leaves that community, that is a that is a huge economic hit to the community.
2: Sure, yeah.
0: Um, any, if we can, anytime we can avoid that, we, we've done right by the people um, that are, have chosen to live in a remote more remote location.
2: Yeah, I, I, you know, some of these disease processes can be devastating, um, and these time-sensitive yeah. diseases like stroke or heart attack... Um, the sooner you can seek care and begin treatment, um, can exponentially improve your chances at a good outcome. And, um, you know, Telestroke is a program that we started in, in all of our rural facilities as well, where if a patient has a stroke, the, the term is time is brain. So the quicker you get to an intervention, the less of an injury there potentially would be. So if I live in, in, in Guthrie, and I'm 10 minutes away from the hospital versus half an hour away from Oklahoma City, and I can begin treatment 20 minutes sooner, um, it could be the difference between, you know, life and death and, you know, perhaps having a minor injury and recovering from that. So um, I think that's that's another important angle that, that... we need to talk about. So.
0: well it's a definitely in the news a lot when we talk about our the those hospitals which we now know the term is the critical access hospitals that are serving the more ro- remote locations in our state you know we would only have a few minutes left here and I anytime I'm v- visiting with physician I know you have a lot of opinions on health in general um, our listeners probably need just a little refresher course and regardless of where you live what's the very what's some tips from Dr. Lefkin on how do you keep yourself healthy and and w- what's the lifestyle we should all be living
2: um, you know the it's a it's a broad question. We could probably <laughs> yes, do is. another episode on this. <laughs>
0: don't drink. Don't smoke. No, yeah. Just <laughs> um,
2: you know, I th- I think it's important just to you know establish with a provider, um, physician or APP nurse practitioner PA, um, establish care just so you can get a baseline level of your health. Um, none of us per, are perfect, but we all probably have one or two aspects of our health that we could focus on that, um, you know, make, sometimes just making small changes is, is uh, more impactful than, you know, starting the latest diet or trying some new medication. So, um, you know, I, I would encourage our listeners to, again, um, if, you, if you haven't established with a, a physician or provider Um, to do so just to get a a baseline of your health and then you know if if you do have one or two health problems typically the best thing to do is make small sustainable changes rather than um, dramatic lifestyle changes and I think um, fine-tuning you know what what you might have for breakfast every morning or how much you're you're smoking a day cutting that back some those little changes make a, a far larger impact than anything so
0: that's Dr. Ari Lufkin. He's been our guest today. Dr. Lufkin is part of the Mercy Health Network and he is an expert on telemedicine as a as a hospitalist using telemedicine to help rural Oklahomans meet their health care needs in their own community. And I know there's a lot of things happening with Mercy that are very exciting. Thank you so much for joining us Thank today. You. My name is AJ Griffin and that was the first of our episodes addressing rural health care. I will be back with you again. We'll be discussing how we as a state make sure that all Oklahomans, regardless of where they live, have a chance to live a healthy and prosperous life, because we are on the road to rural prosperity. And I'm A.J. Griffin. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us for today's Road to Rural Prosperity podcast. You can join the conversation about how rural Oklahoma can prosper by looking for us on Facebook, And you can find our growing number of conversations on our website, ruralprosperityok.com. The Road to Rural Prosperity podcast series is a production of the Radio Oklahoma Ag Network and oklahomafarmreport.com. Proud to be a part of the family of the funk companies.